months ago, I started planning out the firesides that I wanted to do. And, uh, I, you know, for various reasons, I, I wanted to do Jay Serious because I think he's one of the great, greatest wrestling minds in all of Texas. Just one of the greatest wrestling minds I've ever encountered, you know. Uh, I, I, I've never been able to watch wrestling with him, but it's a bucket list thing. I would love to do a night where we watch wrestling together. Uh, but the other idea that I came up with was I really wanted to talk to Al Lenhart who is the owner of Wrestle Circus, and I thought would actually be an interesting chat. And so I reached out to his brother, Jordan. And Jordan said, I don't know, man. You know, that's kind of a, a tender topic, the way that things ended. But I don't think a lot of people know how it ended. I don't know how it ended. Um, and I think that uh, while there's a lot of personal stuff probably involved with how Wrestle Circus came to an end, it's still really important to Texas wrestling history. And I think that's one thing that a lot of people need to be more mindful of is that when you are doing something, you're not just doing it for yourself. You're doing something to be part of a larger picture. And no matter what, while Wrestle Circus sought to be a part of a, the zeitgeist and be something larger, they're a part of wrestling history in yeah. Texas. And so I really wanted to uh, talk to 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 Al and uh, apparently Jordan hit up Al and Al said that he would be interested in actually doing a fireside but I have not heard back from him since and I'm going to continue to bug him uh, but I'm wondering for all you guys out there if you have questions that you would like me to ask Al if I'm able to like you know tackle him at the knees <laughs> uh, hit me up man send me, some send me some questions and I'll try to get answers but I'm not looking to do the man dirty. I'm not looking to torch the promotion. I'm. I just know that they had an indelible influence on something that I did creatively and what we did business wise. And so it, it becomes very important to talk about. And uh, I, I would like that. And also, if you guys have any requests in terms of fireside stuff that you'd like to hear, let us know. Because, like I said on the last episode, you know, we're winding down. We're down to the nitty gritty. We don't have that many episodes left. And so we need to know what the fuck we're going to do when we're done. Because it does not seem... I mean, we're not... There's no way we're going to generate enough, you know, actual live events to cover yeah. in the next few months. I mean, we're talking about basically how in uh, 2022 we might be able to come back. But, you know, yeah. we're currently at stage five. And being that Biss and I have human hearts, we're not really interested in cramming a bunch of people together uh, and making people sick. You know, I, the idea, the very idea of putting a wrestling show on and having somebody report a positive case from one of our events would break yeah. my heart in twain. I cannot yeah. do it. So that's where we're at with this. Yeah, um, I, I think that would be... I think that's a very interesting interview, too, because it gives perspective. There's a very certain way that we do things, right? And we, I hope, if you listen to this podcast, you kind of understand why we come to that that formula right but there's there's multiple ways to do pro wrestling right yeah so and they did things differently than how we did them and there there's probably motivations and reasons for that right but uh, i think it's kind of cool to be able to hear the the multiple different ways like i think that's where me and you are kind of different like, yeah like i will go out of my way to listen to old shoot interviews about how 
you know, Dusty would run his territory or how the Gagne's would run theirs or Graham's or whatever, right? Where you kind of resist that a little bit. You kind of avoid it's, sort of that. Well, to, it's, not, to, it's not relevant to me. Yeah. You know, like, I feel like, I think I think your, your appreciation goes very deeply. I mean, it's the same way for me when it comes to music bios. I just don't give a shit. I love music, but I don't give a fuck, you know? Like, I don't give a fuck about... I can't. I don't want to read a bio about. It. It's very selective. This isn't yeah. a bio about Tony Iommi. I'm all over it. But for the most part, like uh, you know, I've been a promoter all my life. I know how things go. You know, and I don't know. It's, it's not that I don't care. It's just I'm very focused on how we can improve things right now. Yeah. I I am guilty of being the kind of guy who is. Uh, I'd rather be writing than reading. Yeah. Same thing with. Just I'm I'm just a creative person. I'd rather be doing my own shit than looking at somebody else's shit. Yeah. That's why I think once I started uh, really paying attention to you know our company, I stopped watching wrestling as much, and I'm trying to correct that. Yeah. You know? I, I think I, I'll always sort of have that historian aspect of, of which myself is which too, is beautiful right? because I so, learned you distill it down and yeah. I learn from you. So. Yeah. It, so, but I, I think that um, getting minds like that together and just. I'm very interested to, to hear kind of, I mean, I'm sure people want, you know, the, the gossip and the, and the fucking, the rag a little bit, but like, I'm more interested in, okay, what was the mind, what was the thought process between doing it this way or that way or, or what did you guys think would, you would accomplish by doing what you guys did? For me, it's hard to listen to a lot of guys in the business because so many of them uh, fail to be objective. And a yeah. lot of the old school guys also tend to look at wrestling as being... They understood this is one thing that is valuable. A lot of old school guys do know the difference between markets. They know yeah. what would work here versus what would work there. A lot of people now, when they talk about wrestling, they think that their idea of what wrestling is is A, ultimately correct, and B, works everywhere. Yeah. Whereas... I think a lot of the older guys, and this is something, you know, I have listened to some stuff. A lot of my attitudes and ideas actually do come from people like reading books where they say, this territory was into this shit versus that shit. Yeah. And so, like, I, when I say, like, I don't want to go to San Antonio because I don't want to book a show for those people, it's because I know that I know what those people like and I know what they hate. And I think I could do a good San Antonio show, but do I think that I would want to? No. You know, that's where I'm at there. I got nothing else, man. <laughs> Let's do makes makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I I I um I understand that completely. All right, so uh, we're back to the tangled webs we weave. We're halfway through the card. I think we actually stopped like at intermission, right? Like uh, right right before Luigi. Luigi had <laughs> no. Well, no. I think Luigi winning the uh, Inspire Pro Contendership was a big moment. I think that led into the inter the intermission. No, that I guarantee you, the no? way we booked this next match was the match before intermission. Because we're about to tear this place apart. <laughs> oh, you know what? You're correct, actually. Um, yeah, so the next match we do is a tag team no DQ match between Andy Dalton and Moonshine Mantel. We gotta go we gotta go back though. Yeah, we, we kind of waxed over uh, Steve's match last we were, show. We were talking too much about Drew Gulak and just yeah. him being a pedo or whatever, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we kinda we kinda cut bait a little bit early. Yeah. yeah. If you can blame us, but. A, I mean, you know, talking about Andy is weird because yeah. he's no longer with the company. Um, 
but you know, since the since the uh, call out movement occurred in pro wrestling, you have to go back kind of and we're not editing anything out, but we're disregarding it. But we have to be sensitive in how we regard it. I don't just want to go like, and then we had this fucking creep in the company. I kind of want to talk about it. We talked about how how things affected us, and I think we were kind of you know clouded over by the allegations against Drew. Yeah. Uh, and so we felt the need to kind of address it then. But one thing we didn't address was that at the last event, Andy and Moonshine had had a match where uh, Mantell had basically called Andy out for going soft. Yeah. It was no longer dirty. And so he basically called Andy out for a match where his design was to basically take Andy to the fucking mountain. Yeah, and that was that was the idea, and ultimately, I would say that we were basically planning on creating this stable where we had old school, dirty Southern Freebird style wrestlers kind of in this stable. Yep. You know, you have you have different people who come from different walks of life, and I think that's something that we were just talking about. So, like, I wanted to create something that I thought certain types of fans could identify with, but also put certain types of people together, and they could kind of live out something that they identified with, you know, yeah. and also it's a different flavor. Well, and this, this relates back to two podcasts ago. We were talking about how moonshine had returned to Texas and basically everyone threw their heavyweight belt on him. Right? Oh yeah. So this gives us a chance to kind of put him in the tag world. We're like, you can see something different from him. When you come to inspire, you, you see the Southern tag team, um, wrestling, I just, versus just yeah, seeing him on top. I, I didn't want to do something that everybody else was doing. I think that's boring. And I, I felt like, well, if, I have, if I'm going to put a belt on him, it's I'd like to try a different title because he's got all these other belts. It's like he's got the shine, right? Everybody's yep. looking at him like he's, you know, of this certain magnitude. And it's like, well, if I can use that and kind of put a little spotlight on a different kind of title or a different type of wrestling. And I look at Moonshine as being, you look at him and you know he's a wrestler. Um and he's a very talented wrestler. But I really thought that after certain people had kind of thrown the tag belts under the bus, I had been struggling to kind of re-elevate them, you yeah. know. And I felt like when I look at a guy like Andy and I look at a guy like, you know, Ryan, I can go, these guys definitely appreciate the artistry uh, and the class of tag team wrestling, you know. Yep. It's not. I don't look at. I don't look at the tag belts like being secondary belts. I look at them as being really important. I've always put a lot of attention to detail into all the tag shit we did. Yeah, and like we've talked about before, you can make an argument that the tag belts are the most prestigious belt in the company. Yeah, absolutely. I may, I may disagree with you, but you can make that argument pretty easily. Well, they were they were uh, main eventing shows yeah. for a long time because of you know the way that we treated them. We had that tag cade event, which made them very central. And pe people still talk about tag cade. People still bug me about tag cade. Are you ever going <laughs> to do another tag cade? Yeah. People, uh, dude, people love one night tournaments. Mm -hmm. That's the end of that. They love that shit. But yeah, man, uh, you know, with with uh, Tim Storm, ex-NWA champ, and Davey Vega of uh, Besties, you know, we had we had lightning in a bottle. Yeah. People loved it. That team was amazing. You know, we had at one time we had uh, Keith Lee and Ricky Starks te teaming together against Tim and Davey. Yep. You look at that right now. <laughs> think about that. that that's that, your fucking, like, four pillars, like, yeah. you know, Corrigan show back in, like, 92 or something, right? That, like, that, that's, that's what you pretty want, cool, though. Right? That's what you really want. Yeah. You want, you know, you, and I felt like, you know, it wasn't just, you know, two 
two dudes thrown together. I wanted every tag team to feel massive. And to me, when I looked at Andy and 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 Ryan, to me that was a that felt huge. And it wasn't in the way that they did the True Sons of Texas or whatever. Yeah, you know? it was. It just felt it felt different because it was. Uh, I was well, and that's a big part of what we just did here, right? Like, yeah. we left Andy kind of contemplating what Moon, Moonshine had said. And it wasn't just like, yep, you got it. Now we're a tag team. Now we're going to wear the same tights, you know? We had last event, that match with Steve-O, Rory Gulak. Yeah, and, and Chandler Hopkins. Chandler Hopkins. And, and the... You know, um, Dalton and Moonshine come out and basically take Steve out of the match. They, yeah. They basically cost him a, a chance at the Inspire Pro Bell here. Absolutely. So you have Steve out for revenge here, and he yeah. has to choose a partner. And, of course, he chooses... Um, Old Mancer, which I really enjoyed this promo, too. Do you yeah. remember this yes, promo? Yes, I do. Where he's on the phone, and you're not quite sure who he's talking to until at the very end he says, you know, uh, have Old Mancer call me back. Like, I, I love that. I was yeah. really a big fan Great. of that promo. Yeah. And, and, and uh, Mance Warner was really somebody that you... You really wanted to work for Yeah, like, it, and everything's there, right? Yeah, you were so excited, and I felt like, yeah, fuck yeah, let's do this. Because yeah. I think, on, honestly, we're always going, kind of going back and forth, like, who do you want to work with? Who should we bring in? Yeah. So, and, and to me, I know, I knew that this was going to be fun. Yeah, so just the people that knew the Necro Butcher, right, when, the, when he was around, compared Manser to him. Uh, and not, I'm not going with, like, the weird... Uh, Trump QAnon fucking necro butcher from CTE that exists today, but like, you know, I was fairly close with um, with Necro when he was here in 2008 or so um, in, in Texas, and he was he's just a very interesting character that I really enjoyed talking to at the time. Yeah. So you know that piqued my interest to like be like, all right, do I see it right? And honestly, I I don't see the same person. But Manser is just a really cool person and a really cool character, right? Um, and and this is in my old age. I'm getting just feels authentic, you know. It because uh, he it basically is him turned up to eleven, right? Absolutely. So you you feel like this is a real person. That's that's. I mean, I hate to give Cornette rub, but like you know, Cornette used to say like. It, this is just um, crazy people, right, <laughs> that are involved with pro wrestling, and that's sort of how Manser feels. He's a colorful character who, yeah. again, he's like a guy, in my opinion, that has a certain legitimacy. It, you know, yeah. a lot of people go on about the look, and I don't care about the look, I guess. I, I don't care. I care about if someone genuinely kind of puts a fright into me at yeah. points. And Manser's one of those guys. It's kind of, you know, it's kind of like Nick Gage. You know, Nick Gage, you look at that, you look at Nikki, right? And Nikki is not, <laughs> he's, he's not a body guy. No. He's not a gym rat. He doesn't have like crazy traps. But you know what? You fucking throw like any guy in front of me. Like, I'm not, it, it, yeah. with Nikki. I'm not fucking with Nikki. I'll fight the other guy all day. So there's something like that. It's kind of like, you know, just, I'm, I'm there. I'm a little scared of Mance. <laughs> yeah. So, um, this is a weird fucking like, 
a sidetrack, but um, people, I'm sure I've talked about it, like, Dusty Wolf has been one of my mentors in wrestling, and I came across, like, a Dusty Wolf match I'd never seen before, and it was, like, Chad Minton or some shit like that, and Chad Minton is this guy gassed out of his fucking gills. Apparently, the story is he was part of the USA bobsledding team or something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, who the fuck is this, right? He This match doesn't even show up on Cage Match, but it's some WCW Saturday morning fucking match, and they're apparently building this guy up. It's right before fucking... Um, it's right before the 98 um, Starcade. And uh, uh, this guy's obviously jacked out of his fucking gills, but he can't move. Like, he can't do anything really athletically, you know? And I'm like, I'm like, Dusty could probably mop the floor with this guy, you know, like in a real yeah. fight. Like, but it's sort of, you know, here's this guy jacked up his gills that can't even fucking turn his fucking neck, right? But, you know, you. A guy like Nick Gage or a guy like Manser, like you don't want to fucking tussle with because you don't know what the fuck they're gonna do. To exactly. You, you know, they bring a le- they they bring a sense of legitimacy and danger to pro wrestling that I think makes it exciting for the real fan. You know, and uh, yeah, like I Mance Mance, I was excited to have him there. Um, but anyway, yeah. So we set up. You know, Ryan. And Annie run out during that three-way with Rory, Steve-O, and Hopkins. And, of course, they they target Steve. <clears throat> I love I loved this because this team sort of reflected the old-school attitude about the more indie wrestler, or yeah. the more indie style. And this was something we were kind of trying to... Uh, play with we i love i love storylines where old school guys get angry at the young indie <laughs> guy but it's also it's a good storyline it's real but it's there's, also, yeah, it's also very there. real yeah it's very real like you have a lot of people who just like who are like in the business and, and like you know they're yeah. just like hip toss it, lock up pin <laughs> yeah. like okay and like obviously during the pandemic this all went to fucking hell because like ryan moved up to kansas city and what happened Dalton happened to him um but like the great thing about these two was that they they could play that part, but also didn't have an issue working with, like, the new style guys. Well, I would also say this. You look at Mance, right? And he's not a new style guy, yeah. but a guy like Andy, who is, again, a guy I would say, like, it'd be like, you know what? I would be, uh, there would be some trepidation in terms of tangling with Andy, right? Yeah. Andy is a guy who is a little Looney Tunes and he can get down with a guy like like yeah. Mance. He's cool with like going hardcore. And so I knew he was he was weird about this match. He was kind of a fucking bitch about it. Like was, he is that Dalton or Dalton? Yeah. Uh, he kind of was like, uh, whatever, I don't care. But like you, Andy would often act too cool for school. Yeah, which was annoying. He never acted excited for anything because it it was like this weird dichotomy, right? Because yeah. there was other times where he he's just such a nerd for wrestling. Yes. And such a nerd for, like, the history of wrestling and that. I knew that he was legitimately kind of excited about this match because he would get to do dumb shit. Yeah. <laughs> and boy, a lot of dumb shit <laughs> happened. Okay, you. I want you to go over the highlights. Yeah, so, I mean, <laughs> th- this was a weird thing to watch back because this is a crowd-pleaser match. If you're there live, this is awesome. But this is chaotic to watch from a camera standpoint yeah. a little bit. Because stuff's... You, there's always something going on, uh, and God bless Luke. God bless Luke, right? Yeah. Um, 
it, it's it's still a perfectly good match to watch look, back. Man, more motherfuckers need to look at Brian De Palma like how he splits screens and carry. Yeah. <laughs> like this would have been yeah. Because like you're trying to jump and catch everything <clears throat> that's going on and fucking the cool thing here is just from the jump fucking Steve and Dalton go at each other which is huge like I love that back, feeling we, we go back to Steve and Dalton's feud There's that's certain, another thing we yeah. gotta talk about that one of the best things about this company is that I feel like we've had time to world build we have history yeah. and so we've had we had the initial encounter between Steve and Dalton where you know Dalton basically went over dirty on Steve during their first title match when, when Mr. Inspire Pro was making his rise and then we had Steve come back and go after Dalton when Dalton had his face run and Steve was like I don't care if the people are cheering you I'll never forgive you or forget the dirty shit you did yeah. and then we're back to this Yeah. so this is like it's, just history it's that in, in like I know you're an ECW kid so like it's that Sandman and Raven Yeah. it's that Tommy Dreamer and Raven you know, it's that Sandman and fucking Mikey Whipwreck. Like, well, and, to, to or a like in a, in a more modern sense, you uh, culturally, you look at Johnny Lawrence and Daniel LaRusso. There's yeah. that moment in Cobra Kai season one where, uh, you know, LaRusso looks at, at, at uh, Lawrence and says, this will never be over. Yeah, it's, and it's like you know people are gonna dance and dance and dance. You know, yep. some people just don't get along, and that's that's a this is like one of those moments where yeah. these characters have 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 bumped heads multiple times, and we're going into this, and you know they have a history, and you're, people are well, you're never gonna see it now for other reasons, but yeah. you, you were never gonna see fucking Dalton and Steve as buddy tag team partners because they're both baby faces at that time. Like, yeah, you were we were <clears throat> never gonna do that to you. We're never gonna insult the amount of time that you invested. In, and into the product it's, to do that to it's you. It's gray. They yeah. hate each other. Yeah. Period. They no matter they what hate, side they're on. Yeah, they hate each other fundamentally. That's what I always hated about WWF. You would sometimes see like, oh, Cena feuding. He feuded with this guy last week, and all of a sudden he's going to tag with him this week because the guy changed alignments. Yeah. Got a face pop, and it's like, okay. Twenty four hours yeah. ago, like you can't you can't remember that you were like not fucking cool with this dude <laughs> like two months ago. You know, that's stupid. Anyway. Uh, but yeah, anyway, uh, this match is crazy. Yeah. Uh, a big moment at the end of it is, you know, uh, Ryan Davidson comes out, who is a, a close personal friend of Steve's. Yeah. Right? Um, from their time in Houston. And it almost looks like um, Davidson's coming out to fucking even the odds. And he picks up Manser to fucking... Uh, put him in the corner, and then Pearl Harbor job, man, right to Steve, uh, which is uh, a thing I, I love just abusing baby faces. <laughs> like, 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 I pumped that fucking heat balloon for Well, if you don't come back and get your comeuppance, like, there's yeah, just There's no always there. somebody, man. There's yeah. always somebody that, that like, it's, and it's, remember Starch used to argue with this, because, like, there would always be a new dragon, you know? And, and like, I love that in wrestling, where, like, Holy fuck, he's finally slayed the dragon. Up, oh, fuck you. Here's this even bigger dragon now, you know? Um, and not like this was the end of a feud, but, like, this really put those three together. Like, Yeah. And I really wanted my Freebirds. Yeah. My Freebirds were Ryan Davidson, Andy Dalton, and uh, Moonshine. Those were my guys. That was, that was, like, my traditional wrestling fucking, you know, just... just 
gruesome threesome. I loved the idea of that team. And I also wanted to do something where we kind of push them into a Freebirds thing where they would like switch off alternating uh, and defending against the tag belts. Yeah. We were going somewhere with this. I really wanted to put tag belts and, on them. And this also helped with Davison at the time because we weren't sure if he was going to head back to Japan. Yeah. We weren't sure what was going to go he on. Could, right? He could drift in and out of this. So yeah. it was like, this fit, this worked, it kept him relevant. You know, he had guys who were kind of representing him if he needed to go away. And then he would come back, you know, it worked fine. Yeah. And and this, uh, this really... I think Mance really fit into the fabric of the company. We went through some doors, which uh, I love the doors. Um, you know, it, it uh, Mance fit right in. There were some scary moments here where people were being thrown into walls. Uh, yeah, was there not a, it got a little wild. Was there a high jump off of a... Off the office? Was that here? No, that's next month. Okay. Spoilers! <laughs> yes, yeah, and I, I okayed that spot. Yeah. So. Oh, you liar. I did. You told me you didn't. <laughs> okay. Well, you're getting the nitty-gritty on the, the Inspire AD podcast, brother. Um, I couldn't say no to the dude that does it. Spoiler alert for next show. Um, yeah, so just, just a brutal um, tag match. Steve went through hell here. He did. Um which which would lead into a story, you know, part of the story of the match later on. So yeah, okay. Steve is in this match right now. Yeah. Steve has also been the guy who's been the workhorse for the company. Uh, there were times where he would wrestle as Steve, and then he would wrestle as the Red Scare. He would show up as American Eagle. Yeah. You know, he would do multiple things per show. Um, I was always kind of flummoxed by the fact that he took too seriously. The Hollywood Knives stuff. Sometimes he would go, I'm wrestling two guys a night. And I'm like, no, you're not, dude. <laughs> you're not tagging. Yeah. But it's like they're tagging in and out, you know. It's an angle. And that angle actually got him over. He seemed to yeah. resent it. But that's one of those things well, where it's it, like. That is, that is a difficult <clears throat> format, though. It is a difficult. Yeah. <clears throat> not really. Not really. Because the whole thing is, is that it's, dude, it's staged. Okay. Yeah. He's not. He's wrestling. It, he's just wrestling someone that always seen like air quotes seems fresh yeah. okay it's not the same thing um anyway yeah that that match was crazy the fans went nuts and i like stuff i like stuff that's chaotic and out of the ring because you have four sides right you look at a ring you definitely have a fourth wall i love the fact that there were people who were like on one side of the building watching this crazy shit go on while there was this other bunch of people over here on this yeah. other side watching crazy shit go on yeah it was it was it, to me it's it, it works as a live experience but you're right in terms of production in terms of filming it can be difficult but i still think we covered it pretty well yeah uh, yeah hats don't get me wrong like hats off to uh to luke for producing this on the uh, as a live feed and then um eric um afterwards like just a really good job keeping up with it but when there's that much craziness you know it is what it is brother alright so this brings us to the Inspire Pro Blue Dragon Connection title six way match uh, the title the Blue Dragon title has been vacated because Cherry had retired he was about to have a kid I believe yeah he was not in good shape he didn't seem that into it and so he was gone however the way that the belts work in our company is that there's a red dragon and a blue dragon champion. These are the sum of our tag champions. But if the red dragon champion wants to defend their one title against somebody, they can do so in a singles match. And they can lose it. 
but that just means that they have whoever wins it goes on to be the champion with the other yeah. champion. It's uh, it's a little convoluted, but it's also kind of like, in my opinion, a little Japanesey. A lot of people have said that they really love this concept. It, I it, think, it definitely it opens up a lot more creative doors for us. It right? opens up creative doors, and if someone is not working out or someone has a problem, I don't have to just ash can my in total. My total team, right? So I still have Thunder Rosa here, who has the red the red dragon belt. She's there, and so we have this six way match to determine who the next uh, tag champ is going to be and who's going to be teaming with Rosa. And so we have Rachel Rose, who is a part of the cool, yeah. definitively heel. Yeah. What's cool here that every one of these has sort of a tie into the tag tag team division. You know. Absolutely. Absolutely, and we have um, so we have this this match. We have um, ba- yeah. Baby D, who's uh, who's been chasing Cam, and you know also been kind of in the mix in, in the tag team battle royal. You have Grand Tiger, uh, De La Rosa. This is uh, <laughs> this is the debut of this gimmick. Yeah, you want to go into sort of. So we have uh, we have this guy uh, Grand Tiger De La Rosa who was uh, Alex Rivera uh, from the Heavy Hearts, yep. and he came out in like a, a gi, like a gold gi. Uh, he was supposed to be Grand Tiger, the legend of the golden gi. Yep. And uh, I'm just gonna go through this gimmick. <laughs> so uh, Alex is always up to do fun shit, and the idea here was going to be that Grand Tiger has a manager, Mark, who is kind of like a Mickey from Rocky. Yeah. You know, he's just, you know, kind of always yelling and and cheering on his, his guy. And Grand Tiger was going to be this guy who would take shortcuts by throwing his manager in front of people, <laughs> and his manager would always get creamed, but then he would always fucking win by yeah. taking advantage of the scenario. So, you know, I really wanted to, you know, have this character who was just, you know, all right, Tiger, you're uh, you're, you're doing this, I'm, you know, and then like there'd be a moment in the match where Tiger would throw his fucking manager in front of his opponent, manager gets creamed, Tiger capitalizes and gets the pin, and this is where we're going with this. I did not want to act. I actually didn't want to debut this gimmick here, but I needed. I I had booked it. Yeah, we had to had to put somebody in the spot. Right? Yeah, but I had to. I and of you know I didn't. I didn't want him to go under. Yeah. I wanted him to be part of this. Um, and yeah. I think we had kind of neglected to talk about this. We had Mark. Mark Glatt. Yeah. <laughs> so Mark Glatt's kind of interesting. Um, people don't like Mark. No. Um, but and this is where I was kind of worked. I got worked here. Okay. So Mark is a stand-up comedian. He's also a musician. And, he, and Mark Glass is like, hey, how you doing? I'm Mark. You know, he's got yeah. this voice. He's got this like, hey, hey how, how you doing? Hey, guys. He's kind of like Mo yeah. from The Simpsons. Um, and he had not endeared himself to a lot of people when he was training at uh, APW. Uh, APW. Yeah. He had made a lot of enemies. Ricky Starks really hated him. <clears throat> yeah. But there was one point where at, when we were back at AFS... And Ricky approached me and uh, was like, hey, you know, you should put Mark on the show. Listen, listen to Mark's comedy. Listen to this. And he had Mark come up like, hey, uh, Mark, hey, hey, you know. And, and I was like, okay. And Mark and, and Ricky was like, put him on a show. Ricky was fucking with me. Yeah. 
So I made it so that uh, during one of the intermissions several shows back, we had Mark come out and do stand-up comedy during <laughs> during uh, intermission, which I, I actually kind of like that idea. Yeah. It's different, and Mark's comedy is kind of so bad that it's amazing. Yes. And there were people who were like, who would watch him and go, this is awful, but there were people who would watch him and go, this is so awful, it's antagonistic and great. Yeah. You know, which is the essence of heel, you know? And I think we kind of forgot to mention this, but uh, when the, Mark had aligned himself with uh, Alex and Baby D. Yeah, and, against the cool. Against the cool. And so Mark got, like, Mark would come out, make jokes about the cool, and the cool would come out, and they'd beat the shit out of him during intermission. And so Mark became kind of a manager. Yeah. And that was kind of, uh, you know, I, I, I do have to say this about Mark. Mark Glatt always showed up to all of our shows and busted his ass. Yeah. He came out, set up chairs, set up the ring. He helped, right? And I think that as a guy who was trained and he was training and he was trying hard, you know, he would also just kind of listen. He would listen to me. Say, yeah. Do this, do that, and he would do it. And so <clears throat> the comedy bit came about squarely because of Ricky. Yeah. Ricky said, you need to use this guy. And I'm like, okay. But Ricky was being Ricky. <laughs> <laughs> Never trust Ricky Starks. <laughs> um, so yeah, man, we we kind of put him on the card as as comp co comedic relief. So I invent this I invent this like Tiger De La Rosa <laughs> gimmick, which is uh, the Legend of the Golden Gee, and uh, it's basically like Ernest Miller, but, yes, but with one of the heavy heavy hearts. And uh, lots of like, you know, you know, lots of Bruce Lee noises and, and lots of martial arts moves. And it's fun. And honestly, it got over pretty, pretty suddenly. Now, this is the same time, like, I was really pushing for European round style wrestling. Oh, yes. And, um, <clears throat> kind of the MMA hybrid type stuff because, you know, there, there were pieces that were coming up that I thought would be great. <laughs> And then he's this. <laughs> this was a gut punch a little bit to be like, I I've got something for it. Like, here's this comedy. Like, fuck. This yeah, is so, dead on arrival. So we have, we have this idea where we have this Tiger De La Rosa guy and a golden gi, the legend of the golden yeah. gi. And and I uh, I know Biz is pushing this shit. And I'm like, why don't we add round styles to this shit? Like, yeah. Well, because like. Aaron Mercer is the guy I have in mind, right? Yeah. Like, this is where, okay, Aaron Mercer is tearing it up in the heavy metal fucking <laughs> mall show. Or not the mall show. The, the thunder show that they have. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, fuck, dude, there's something to this guy. Like, if we could do this, then there's... I could bring in Tom Waller, you know? I could bring in, you know, these guys that are kind of doing this style. And, you know, maybe it's something that we could create a showcase show off of. Um, that's my fucking mind th process at the time. <laughs> yeah. But this this just kind of slides right into it. And, I mean, honestly, it's great because if you're going to do that, you can't just have the same match over and over again. So it is different, right? It's it's comedy Absolutely. into that, that st style. But as you'll see, it... It becomes the forefront of what we're doing with it. It's just one of those things where it's kind of like you have to kind of organically see where it yeah. goes. But people were laughing. And to me, that's important. People were also heckling the shit out of Mark. <laughs> and he didn't know how to handle it. No. He was also just not properly trained, I don't think. There yeah. were things he needed to be able to do that he just 
he was too absorbed with what the crowd was saying. Yeah. And I was like, no, man, you need to be paying attention to what's in the ring. But um, I love the idea of having this, you know, Burgess Meredith type manager managing a karate guy who was basically just kind of Ernest Miller in a golden key. Um, I stand by this concept. I think it's a good gimmick. But uh, no, anyway. So we have Rachel Rose, who is a member of the cool. Um, Rachel's one of those people who her first wrestling show, I think, was Inspire Pro. Yeah, it was an Inspire show. And so when she kind of like was here, winning it like like winning matches and stuff, and uh, and she told me like this is a dream of mine. Um, it made me want to cry. Yeah, you know, it made me feel like like oh that's so sweet. It's like you know when your kid wins a little league game. Yeah, <laughs> or something, but. Um, Rachel Rose is up, and she wins the Inspire Pro Blue Dragon uh, Connection title, which makes her tag champions with uh, Thunder Rosa. Yeah. And uh, this is an interesting uh, opportunity, I think. I think you've got this this girl who's really cocky and kind of bratty uh, teaming with this uh, veteran female wrestler. And my entire concept here behind this which we didn't really fully get to act out because pandemic, um, was Rachel was supposed to exhibit really shitty tendencies in terms of scoring victories for her tag team. And Thunder was supposed to kind of go, no, you're fucking wrong. You don't know what's up. And this was supposed to lead to a Thunder-Rachel match where Thunder just takes Rachel to school. But they also earn a lot of respect between one another but the ultimate victory here allows Thunder to kind of control Rachel and Rachel begins to kind of develop integrity as a competitor and this does not sit well with her stablemates in the cool and so there was supposed to be kind of like this tug of war between uh, Thunder Rosa and the cool where Rachel is very confused and she doesn't know what to do and then we were going to do a lot of cool stuff where we were going to do Rachel versus Will All Day. Thunder is a very hard-hitting wrestler. Um, I I loved watching uh, Mel Cervantes work as Thunder because I, I liked putting her in with other guys, especially green guys, because <laughs> I would watch her kind of basically school them. And she would... Dude, Mel's a hard-hitter. It, it was a different level of intensity. Yes. It was a different level of pace. If you're a fucking... If you're a fucking just... If you're a dipshit... She'll put you in your, your, your box. Yeah. And so it was really important. She was she almost became a gatekeeper, I think, for me. If I knew someone was going to um, fuck up or I knew someone wasn't going to be able to keep up, she was going to put them in their place. And that was a and it was a valuable uh, learning experience, I think, for a lot of people. But I love this angle where we had this one girl who was talented and had potential uh, coming into the fold with a veteran in this championship position and her resisting Thunder initially and fighting back and then ultimately her uh, coming to respect the veteran and finding out that Thunder's path was the correct way and that not sitting well with her stablemates in the cool whom she still loved. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't get to uh, follow this through because, again, pandemic, but it was an an angle I was really excited about. Yeah. Um, let's just go back and cover the, the last three competitors real quick. We uh, Mark Champion, of course, part of Super Academia. 
Uh, he didn't stick around a lot, though. No, yeah, he. Um, him and Joe, him and Joe, kind of were tagging at this point. Yeah, but yeah, we we haven't really heard much from him since the pandemic, honestly. And then uh, Veda Scott's here. Veda Scott, man, I really wanted to do something more or bigger or better with her. Um, I felt like just she, this was her first time in since the whole Brandon Stroud debacle. Yeah. Um, this match was a little difficult to maneuver because I think that Veda thought that. It should go a certain way. I know she struck. Did she get hurt here? Yes, she did. Okay. So she got injured uh, yeah. by the third person here, Massive, who was not yes. in good shape. Um, this is a whole other can of worms. Yeah. So at, at this point, we, we were fairly sure that he was either under the influence or, or just not all there. I was very confused. Um, yeah. Thunder Rosa was initially very high on Massive. Yeah. And then when he came back, there were a lot of issues where he had apparently hurt some guy over here or hurt some guy over there or had taken liberties, as it was said. But then I would contact the person who was uh, in the ring with him and they'd go, nope, that was my fault, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, Here, Thunder was really pushing that he was on something. Uh, I had plans for Massive to do stuff with Thunder and she was like, I don't want to work with him. Yeah. we we kind of put after this night also any plans with massive kind of on, on ice. He yeah. acted like he acted like an asshole at yeah. this show. So even if he wasn't under the influence, no. he did not check on Veda after she was injured. Nope. Um, just basically showed up, got his envelope, and left. It was very very he was, different. He was also just his attitude. He was pissed. Yeah. He was pissed about going under. Yeah. He was angry because he thought he was going to go over. Oh, uh, you know what? And, yeah. and maybe that was in the plans beforehand and, like, just the no, way things were it, going. It never was. Yeah. It never was because I always had this idea for Rachel Rose to be the yeah. the, the other part. But he showed up and assumed automatically that he was going to get this comeback moment. Yeah. The crowd was going to pop huge, and then he would go over. This is, what this he is when he was coming back from that yes. ankle injury, right? He was coming yeah. back from another injury. Um, this was also massive had problems with the law too. Yeah. I don't know when he went back again. Yeah. He went back to jail. Yeah. And then he came back and he just wasn't the same. And, uh, yeah, he'd also gone, he was also just like, I'm just going to be frank. Uh, cause the whole point of this podcast is worse and <laughs> yeah. all, right? So there was a there was a woman that he was dating for a long time, and he was very close with her, and she was working his merch table, and uh, something occurred where they broke up because he started seeing some other woman, and Massive would add me to these huge group texts where he would talk about how he'd broken up with this person and was dealing with this problem with this job, and it was just like you would just get updates constantly from people talking about the drama in his life and that's not why I'm here (laughs) you know I don't I don't want to hear about this shit I don't want to hear about your breakup I don't want to hear about your new girlfriend in San Antonio and he had moved to San Antonio too which became another problem there were a few times where he was supposed to come in and uh, the traffic was too much for him and it's like if you know where you're coming from yeah Everybody else does. Why can't you? Yeah, cause in Austin, he would just leave his shift and come yeah. right over. So Yeah, and then he would tell me stuff like, uh, you know, oh, I'm in great shape, brother. I'm in great shape, brother. But, like, nah. 
He'd show up looking like shit, yeah. winded as fuck, just not, just not on point, you know. And I just think he had he had a lot of demons in his life, and we worked around his shit as best we could. Um, yeah, he did hurt Veda here, which was a shame. Um, but this was where I was really hearing like, you gotta back away from him. Yeah, you know, which was very confusing because I did, but then I saw that. Um, I saw that Mel and Brian were still using him pretty actively. So I was very confused. Yeah. But, you know, whatever. I, I backed off just because my own intuition based on uh, my respect for Mel and just was like, eh. Was this the start of Mission Pro? Around? Around this time? Around it. Yeah. Yeah. That's another story, man. Maybe, yeah. we, should get, maybe we should get Jeff Serta on one of these. Maybe, man. I'm on. Because, yeah, I mean, a lot of people don't know about that. So at this point, let's talk a little bit about that. Um, yeah. So Jeff Serta had purchased Sabotage, which was a company that Mel and her husband Brian had, had started. Yeah, they started in California. They started in California, and they moved here. And so Jeff purchased it, and my impression was that Jeff was really just not... He didn't really want to listen to what... Brian and Mel were telling him to do because he was like, okay, well, I bought the company. The company's mine now. Yeah. This isn't your opportunity to come and operate under my dime. Is that is that fair to say? I think that's Objectively. fair. I think that's where he was coming from. And my, my opinion also was that Brian did not enjoy not being not, that guy, <laughs> not being the guy. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, because I know that there were points where people would like come in and they like they didn't know who Brian was. Yeah, and that, and, that and got I, on his Yeah, I don't think Brian like. I don't think Brian. I don't think Brian enjoyed not knowing and not having people not know who he was. Yeah, but you know? it, we're sitting here now. Yeah, it's part of the fucking gig. You it know is. what I mean? Like it, it is. It's it sucks to like. When you have to go up and introduce yourselves to the guy that you're you're paying like good money to, uh, uh, hey, by the way, I'm this name that you've only seen on fucking emails, yeah, and messages, right? But when you become the guy that's not paying anybody, yeah, it's different. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, like when when I go into another show, yeah, I, I revel in the fact that no one knows who the fuck I am. I'm yeah. not gonna fucking tell you. I'm yeah, gonna yeah. see how you treat me without knowing who the fuck I am. Right? So so yeah, I mean, uh, at this point. You know, Serta, Jeff Serta, who does Heel Face. These guys, Heel Face, were in, uh, integral in terms of documenting, filming, doing a lot of stuff like that. You know, they were a huge part of our production team at Inspire for a long time. Yeah. But simultaneously, they were helping run the Sabotage shows. Yeah. And at this point, um, I think that there was just some dissension amongst Brian and Mel that isn't completely clear to me at this point because I just I hear different things from different sides. Um, Mel and Brian had decided to op uh, to start another female wrestling centric company called Mission Pro, and I know that they had run a show. Uh, I think the first show was around this point. It was at Pinball's Kingdom in Buda. And uh, after being told by Mel that I should fucking distance myself from Massive, 
She also started to tell me that she didn't know she'd be able to make dates. That she started talking about NWA shit. That's a fact. Yeah. You're not gonna tell me otherwise. That's a fucking fact. And I'll fucking come over this table and fucking kick you in the I'm, face. I'm not disputing okay, that. No, one. you, you I, did it with Ricky. I'm, I'm serious I, here. I was like, she basically said, I don't know if I can make dates at this show. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But you know, the angle is good. But at the same time, a little bit later, after she told me not to fuck with Massive. Uh, Massive is on her shows, and I'm like, yeah. okay, all right. Yeah, because it was it was the weird, um, it was like a, an intergender show. Yes, which like our show's inter- intergender too, if you think about it. But it was like promoted intergender. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense to people, but you know what I'm talking about. All right, we are on to our next match, which is Zach Taylor. Versus Ryan Davidson, and this this is kind of uh, setting up uh, an opportunity to uh, uh, present our new trifecta between Davidson and Dalton and Moonshine, where we have them go up against Zach Taylor, uh, Ethan uh, Ethan Price, and uh, and Cody Lane, uh, and yeah. Cody Lane, who kind of exhibit a more um, as 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 tutored by ACH, yeah. Uh, they, they, they are really like kind of indie darling fodder. Yeah, this, this is exactly what we were just talking about. Yeah, right? like we, these guys are the new school of indie wrestling. Versus or, these guys are kind of like the gatekeepers of the yeah, old school. Looking looking to the past with starry eyes. Yeah, know? absolutely. Like, um, <clears throat> so in, in this, it's Zach Taylor and Ryan Davidson. Um, but the real story here is that there's a, a DQ finish. Zach goes up by DQ when... Um, Andy and Moonshine come back out um, and attack Zach. This kind of brings out um, Ethan and uh, and Cody kind of reluctantly because they're still, although they just had this big blow up, like Cody's kind of had this has this shitty grin as he kind of helps them, right? Yeah. Um, so like <laughs> we're still sowing those seeds, um, but what we're basically doing here is setting up an encounter between. Andy and Moonshine, and it's gonna. I believe up. Cody doesn't. Cody have a fun moment where he kind of he leaves. He yeah. comes out, sees the situation, and walks away, and then runs back out with yeah. Kendo. Yeah, it's a great moment. Yeah, it's a really great moment. <laughs> as we're as yeah. we're trying to use up all these wholesale Kendo sticks at this point, but yes, yeah. exactly. Um, yeah, so like, there's this fun like, yeah. Super Academia are fighting, but are they still family? There's still a lot of good questions in there. It's and like then, watching brothers who hate each other still <laughs> kind of acknowledging that they are yeah, family. It's like, um, yeah, like, like, yeah, I'm gonna fuck Cody up, but you're not gonna fuck Cody up. Yeah, type thing, that's right? my brother. Um, yeah, there's so, fun stuff going on here. I think, I think as I was trying to explain a lot of this stuff, I was this is again a, another situation where I was getting a lot of pushback, but. It, and I even explained it as such. It's like, you know, when brothers fight, they fight and they may hate each other, but when someone tries to intrude on that brotherhood, they're, they're not going to, they're going to defend each other. Here's the deal too. And, and I hope that there's more fans listening to this than there are other boys. But if it, if it's the other way around, so be it too. Um, you fuckers in Austin are an incredibly intelligent crowd. If we just do the normal paint my numbers bullshit, you're going to get bored real fucking quick. <laughs> so there has to be moments 
where there's hard lefts and hard rights that still makes sense. Plus, also seeing like how uh, Ethan and Cody had their falling out and there was tension with Zach at the very beginning of the show, we suddenly have this opportunity to put them together in a trio where they have to function in order to win, but it plants uh, further seeds for dissension between them. Yeah. So we're, we're stretching the soap out without fucking just watering it all the way down. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're, we're trying, you know, and now you have this badass tag team match next month where you're going to get to see Andy and Moonshine versus Cody and Ethan. I mean, and that's sort of the nuts and bolts aspect and Davidson that, that, and, that I play with, yeah. right? Um, right? Is, um, no, that's a badass fucking match. Yeah. And, and if we give you badass matches that are tied together by badass fucking stories that make sense, you're going to leave pretty wrestling, fucking happy, yeah, right? Yeah, like, the thing. Is that the, thing <laughs> the thing that I always say is that wrestling is best when it had, when it's framed by great context. Yeah. Anyway, uh, moving right along, because we're running out of time. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we got to. Uh, we have the Inspire Pro title match between Jay Sirius and Chandler Hopkins, which is just... Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah at this point, um, Chandler has earned his opportunity. It's not quite time to pull the trigger, and there's still a lot of juice left in the Jay Sirius... Uh, right, yeah. Orange here or lime or whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah, this is just is just phenomenal fucking indie junior style wrestling. Yeah, I, I I don't know how much more I can go into to it, that. It, it, like, it's a match that you need to see, um, yeah. but there's not much we can say about it. Yeah, J- uh, it's it's a great match. Yeah, Jay Sirius gets gets the victory. Um, you know, a little bit a little bit of nefarious means here, but. Um, and, you know, Chandler Hopkins is not left in a, a spot where he can never challenge again. Like, this is the first opportunity. One of those losses where you can look good in defeat. Yeah. And, you know, and, 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 and you know, Jay Sirius is the guy that can do that. I've been I've been doing the stocks recently, you know. And uh, they say that sometimes you're looking for the bounce where, like, it, it dips, but then it bounces up even higher. That's sort of what we're looking for out of Chandler here. Like, this is his dip, but now he has an opportunity to climb, and hopefully when he climbs, it's going to be even higher. Right. And uh, this is a match that I, lo- I love because I, I love that people don't really... They think that it's going to go a certain way. Yeah. All right. So earlier in the evening, we have uh, Rachel Rose, who has won the Blue Dragon belt. And we have Thunder defending her title here, her Red Dragon belt against Cam Cole and Ethan Page. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Ethan was a delight to work with here. I, God damn it. Yeah, this is a guy that gets a lot of flack online. But like, like you just kind of laugh at it if you know Ethan. Like, the guy's such a fucking sweetheart. He is like, rock solid, but he was also just a great person to have in, yeah. the, in the locker room, I believe. Was this the Voodoo Donuts? Yeah, I, uh, I think he took everyone out after yeah. four Voodoo Donuts. Yeah, so. yeah, absolutely. Which led to us being sponsored uh, <laughs> by Voodoo Donuts. Yeah, for, for, for two shows. For yeah. two shows, yeah. Uh, man, carbo load, bro. Yeah. The, don- <laughs> the donuts were popular. Yeah. But this, this match is interesting because people see that Rachel just won the the blue belt and so they automatically assume that Cam is going to win the red belt but that's not what fucking happens no yeah uh, Rachel retains her Rachel, and, no Thunder re- re- I'm re- sorry Thunder retains Thunder retains um this was also a weird, one of those weird. We were in a people weird, were surprised. Yes, so that's good. But logistically, we were in a weird uh, political point here because Ethan um, Page held the 
TNA tag belt at this point. Yes, he did. Like he had just won it. So, like, when we booked him originally, that was not the case, but he had uh, picked it up with his good friend, Josh Alexander. Um, so, we, we kind of... Normally, if we had a name like that, we would give the rub to our guys, but... Um, you know, he was very relieved when he walked in and went, hey, man, we assume that the office probably doesn't want you to go under. That's we, It's a three-way, so we're not going to have to pin you. And, uh, you know, he, he was kind of overjoyed, like, oh, fuck, thank you, man, because, like, um, they, yeah. they've kind of been getting on me, so I need to make sure I'm yeah, watching that. A lot of people kind of, like, marry on and on about how, like, oh, I hate the three-way. I hate, like, the, I hate the one fall to a finish thing. And it's like, you know what? Sometimes politics play into it yeah. harder than you realize, but also you've got to get a number of people on the card. Yeah. So it's like you have guys who just who can't be pinned, and so one fall really suits the agenda there backstage. And it's you know just man, you know what? Let it go, fuckers. <laughs> get over it. Anyway, but yeah, Thunder goes up, and Rachel and Thunder are now tag team partners. Setting up what would not be, <laughs> but um, Cam yeah. Cam really is an MVP here, though. And Cam is a good guy and holding this match together. I love Cam so he's much. Phenomenal he's, guy. He's a wonderful. He's a wonderful guy. Um, and now we're on to our main event. <laughs> the, the match is amazing. They yes. have great chemistry. Like for two guys that fucking hate each other, they have great chemistry. Well, because that's what wrestling is supposed <laughs> to be, I guess. I mean, it, uh, well, they're also they're from the same school, right? So like they have that base knowledge, right? And, and like they're, we've talked about that before. Like sometimes we forget about, oh fuck, these guys are from the same school. When the, to me, the setup is just not what it could have been if we had played that promo beforehand. It would have colored the match a little differently. Yeah, Ricky would have had more to play with in terms of just the drama of it. Uh, I feel like Steve-O could have come out feeling a little called out and kind of morphed into the monster that it became. Uh, and I also do think that Steve-O should have gone over in this match. Yeah. I think he should have been the guy. I think if we wanted to, we could have had, you know, Ricky chasing him. And if it didn't happen, it didn't happen. But it made more sense because it would have left us with a champion that would have been standing in the company for a while. Yeah. I was it, concerned with Ricky's history, his trajectory, where he was going. I was right to be concerned, apparently, even though Biss says no. Um, <laughs> but no, I was concerned. I'm, I'm going to give the silver lining afterwards. I really think Cre creatively, I, I understand no where you're coming There from. is no silver well, lining. Well, there definitely there. is. Like, Ricky Starks being part of that lineage of the pure prestige is big in, in the grand grand scheme of the history of it's, our company, it's, right? It's nice, but it should have happened under the right circumstances, and these weren't the right circumstances. I think if he had beat MJF, sure. But at this point, it just felt like a consolation. It didn't feel big. It didn't feel like a moment, you know? And you're not going to tell me otherwise, because the crowd reaction was what it was. You know, it was very similar to the fart in an elevator that was the Inspire Pro uh, Championship thing where Whoa. they did the Sheamus thing. It's uh, not the same match. It's not yeah, the same situation. It's not the same reaction, though, either, man. Bottom line, yeah. it's not the same situation, but here's the thing, okay? I mean, that was a total bomb, dude. It was a total bomb, but still... This was not a total bomb. It was a, it was a bomb, in my opinion, yeah. because Ricky didn't get built up to face the opponent. I'm sorry, he should have lost. If he wasn't going up against MJF, he should have fucking lost. Yeah. Boom. We we can argue that standpoint. I just I just 
I won't agree that it was like a complete bomb. I don't think like, it felt there special. Were, there were story I don't think it felt special. Yeah. I don't we, think it felt like I think I think honestly, if uh, if Ricky came out fighting this bitter dude who was going to turn heel, I think there was more steam behind Steve having the title. You know? Yeah. Instead, we just we put it on Ricky just because like you deserve it. Clap, 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 clap. I fuck that. That's stupid. That's stupid. Ricky should have chased. But here's the thing: these guys hate each other. Ricky did not enjoy working Steve. He thought Steve was too stiff, and so he was like, "Oh, I'm never working that motherfucker again." And yeah. I'm like, "Okay, you don't have to work him again," which sucked because you put a belt on a guy and you have this other guy here who lost the match, and you know you're never gonna get that moment. You're never gonna get that moment where Steve gets to come back and get the belt. Yeah. And the whole thing that we did prior to this was we talked to Steve about winning the belt at some point. But you know what? He would never get that chance. You want to know why? Because Ricky would never wrestle him again. Because why? He was too stiff in this match. That's what he said. According to, to Ricky's opinion, yeah. Well, just that. Well, Ricky's opinion. I think he found, Ricky, Ricky's opinion matters the yeah, most. It does. It does. Because he but, controls the shit. But, you but know? I think he found. I think he found something to be angry about as well. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't think that Steve's performance was... I don't think that Steve was overly stiff. I don't think that... I don't think Steve did anything wrong in this match. You know what I mean? But, um... I mean, the the other part of this is the fact... And what Ricky brought up, right? Is that Steve had already gone through this ruling tag team match early in the show. Yeah. Like, logically, like, Steve has been through this fucking street fight, right? And Ricky's fresh, you know? So that was part of the equation. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it, we, <laughs> so here we are <laughs> mopping up. Do we have to mop up? No, uh, we didn't. That we're, not, we're not mopping up at this point because yeah. we pay a little, uh, DM yeah, for, for the, the, for the cleaning for fee, the cleaning right? Fee. Yeah. But we still push, put, put everything up. It's one of those easier cleanup nights. It's, yeah. It, honestly, it's one of those things that made me feel like we arrived, even though things kind of went awry, uh, a little bit. But I was happy with the show, even though I was not happy with the main event, and it left me holding a bag creatively, trying to figure out where we were going next. I don't think Ricky should have gone over. I think Steve should have gone over. I think Ricky should, Ricky should have chased a bit, and if Ricky chased and didn't make it because he got signed, oh fucking well. But the thing is, is that we didn't really know, I don't know, we didn't know where we were going after yeah. this. And, and I hated that. I had to really sit down and think about it. Yeah. But. Anyway. Yeah. I, the the things that we were able to pull off, like... like the, it was a fun we'll, we'll show. We'll get to it, but the it things we were show. able to pull off with yeah. Ricky, I, I was happy a with. A lot of what was really interesting about that Ricky-Steve uh, match was the crowd response. It wasn't dead, but I felt like it was almost like this very reserved clap, clapping, like when one guy did one thing and another guy did another. It almost felt like yeah. a Japanese crowd. <laughs> so yeah, because like, they, they were baby-baby. Yeah. Baby. Yeah, I, I mean, people were happy that Ricky won, but I just don't think dramatically it would. That promo would have really helped out. Yeah, but nobody listens to me, and you know what? When we come back, I'm just gonna fucking do what I think is right. I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck, bis. You're gonna listen to me, and that's that. Okay. <laughs> we will see. You, oh, we you, will see. <laughs> you'll you'll no, hear. No. You'll hear on the podcast yeah, that we have yeah. to do on the next pandemic. Yeah, motherfucker. You did the next <laughs> pandemic. Anyway, thanks for uh, thanks for joining us. We'll be back with another final five next week.